What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, folks, this is Rebel Rousing Rich Bergeron. Hey, it's the Tornado. Tony Penny And Psychic Tom Padgett is, um, uh, I guess it's past his bedtime, so we couldn't connect with him tonight. Maybe he had other plans, but anyway... Uh, we're going to try him in 20 minutes just in case he was taking a nap. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, if not, we'll get him back on next week. And we do have an email from him that we can read about the big situation. Um, I'm just going to have to lead off with because it's really the biggest news of the week. Um, <clears throat> UFC and WWE combined without even knowing it. It was ridiculous. Uh, the Saturday night fight, and uh, for some reason, I could not stay awake for even the co-main event. I fell asleep at the worst possible time, worst possible night. So I still have not even seen the entire fight. I had to go by Tom's description, and he said basically Khabib dominated, or Habib, however you want to pronounce it, <clears throat> dominated the entire four rounds up until he choked Conor McGregor out, won every round. And um, still, somehow, Connor wins in the end. And uh, just like in the Mayweather fight, when I said even if he loses, he wins. <laughs> Here he loses, he loses, and and he won because now he's automatically going to get a rematch. Although they have actually suspended both of them. That came out today, so it was kind of good that we um, we waited to do the show. Uh, both Connor. And Khabib have been suspended, and uh, the whole reason, if you haven't heard of why, is there was after the fight, um, Khabib jumped the cage and went after a guy named Dylan Dennis, who is Connor's jiu-jitsu coach, and it's not because he choked him out and he wanted to, you know, rub it in his face that he choked him out. So the jiu-jitsu coach was because this jiu-jitsu coach has been relentlessly, viciously throwing and launching uh, hateful attacks verbally on this kid uh, just to try to get a psychological edge and, and reportedly Connor even said to Khabib after the third round hey it's, it's just, it was just business <laughs> talking about the hype leading up to the fight you know so maybe he was just like trying to say don't kick my ass so bad I don't know <laughs> he was it's like apologizing in a way because Connor it's, Connor can do in an asshole way like that I guess is say, hey man, it was just business. But, <laughs> I thought that was crazy. But when he got out of the cage, uh, that wasn't the only thing that happened. He jumped over the cage, he launched himself at Dylan Dennis, <clears throat> and whether he was provoked or not, obviously that's not a very professional action to take. There's going to be suspensions, there's going to be investigations, there's going to be fines, possibly going to be lawsuits, but um, there were also some arrests of Khabib's people. Uh, and surprisingly, Connor's team was very limited in their response. Uh, and, you know, considering the whole thing with the bus attack and all that, I could not help but sit back and chuckle to myself and say, 
you know, this is traces back to Dana White saying to the general public and all media at a press conference that he was going to con he was going to punish Conor McGregor as soon as the legal system took care of him. And what happened? Conor McGregor was slapped on the wrist by the legal system, and Dana White did nothing to punish Conor McGregor for the bus attack. Absolutely nothing. But since all this happened during a fight event in front of the crowd, now you're going to see Khabib have to forfeit a huge portion of his purse. He's going to be fined severely, obviously, <clears throat> through that. And then he's obviously going to have some kind of a suspension here. Um, but uh, let's see what this article says about that. But anyway, uh, before we get to that, uh, this actually has some quotes from Nurmagomedov talking about uh, why he jumped over the cage, uh, talking about Dylan Dennis. He says, he talked about my religion, he talked about my country, he talked about my father, he come to Brooklyn and he broke bus. Or maybe he's talking about Connor here, obviously. He almost killed a couple people, worry about this, worry about this shit. Why people talk about I jump over the cage? Uh, he says, this is respect sport, this is not trash talking sport, I want to change this game, I don't want people to talk shit about opponents, talk shit about his father, religion, you cannot talk about religion, nation, you cannot talk about this stuff, well, you can talk about this stuff in the United States, unfortunately, yes, for him, uh, but uh, Dylan Dennis, uh, one of his bur barbs was uh, calling him a effing Muslim rat in the arena, and he has denied that allegation. This was a fan that told TMZ Sports this. Um, TMZ Sports actually had a uh, video of uh, one of the people in the crowd, uh, their vantage point from near the front row of, of uh, launching himself out of the cage. <clears throat> so it was pretty intense. Anyway, um, there was a couple other guys from um, Khabib's team who were actually arrested I heard Conor McGregor's team declined to press charges, and Dana White has said anybody involved will not fight in the UFC again, except for, you know, Habib there. He'll still be allowed, I'm sure, but he has come out since and said one of his guys, um, uh, Zubaira Tukogov, who is still in the UFC, uh, he says if they fire him, then he'll leave the UFC. So, uh, this is like a big power play here. But anyway, it was beyond the launching himself at Dylan Dennis, what happened while the security was distracted by that was somebody jumped over the cage and started pummeling McGregor in the back of the head. And I believe that was uh, one, of the, one of the other fighters there that they arrested afterwards. But I would be very surprised if they don't arrest Nurmagomedov, if you think about it, because he, he assaulted somebody who was not fighting. Yeah, either way, uh, if they're going to arrest the other guys for jumping in and assaulting a fighter, I mean, why wouldn't you do it the other way around? I mean, he's not being paid to fight that guy. So, even though he's a licensed fighter that night in the arena, they should have treated that like an assault, <clears throat> um, whether he hit him or not. So, I'm pretty, I'm not sure why they haven't uh, put a warrant for his arrest. Uh, but all all around, it's just, it's just bad, bad for business. Um Bad for the brand. Bad, bad for the legacy of the fight. I mean, the, the, apparently the fight was excellent. <clears throat> uh, and you know, I doubted Khabib's ability to do it. But I kind of had a feeling I was, I 
was riding the hype train with McGregor and just kind of going with not wanting to be wrong so bad that I picked him because he just keeps surprising everybody. But, uh, yeah, uh, apparently Khabib uh, put on a clinic and actually did even better in the striking than I thought he would. Landed one of the best punches of the fights from what I've read. Fight. <clears throat> so, unfortunately, we're going to see a rematch on a fight that probably we shouldn't see one just because of the aftermath. And, and you said it before, this is like, uh, what's the oh, drama in all of his situations? It's a shame, almost. Yeah, I mean, so you, you think it was like that so flat um, and how scary that was and everything, and, you know, we think of the fan man, which, I mean, it wasn't really either the fighter's fault, but, you know, that lunatic parachutes into the ring, but those can't be worse by literally dragging the guy and beating the living shit out of him. I mean, they damn near killed him. Yeah. Um, then you have with, um, you know, even when he fought Buster Matthews Jr., there was controversy. How about the time he fought Elijah Tillery? And until they tried to kick him in the nuts, next thing you know, Rockman was pulling over the top rope. And it's like, you know, Riddick was, you know, he would have been great for Vince McMahon. He put that, you know. Um, but so this was because you've, you now you've you've almost painted a picture of racism because here's the the white guy who's getting all the preferential treatment and being treated like the the victim through the whole thing here now and you know he's needled this guy psychologically you know, this whole team trying to get an edge on this kid and, and like a lot of people aren't going to take that into effect because they're just thinking oh this is conor mcgregor this is the brand this is their most popular guy you know they ought to stand by him because he's, you know, a great fighter or whatever, and they don't like Khabib because he's Russian, because he's Muslim, because he's, you know, boring fighter or whatever reason they use, they don't like him. And it's basically looking like they're being racist against him because they're not, they're not even giving him the belt. Dana White wouldn't even put the belt around him because of all this crap. But yet, you know, you're telling everybody you're going to punish Connor, and then you don't even punish him. It's like such a double standard with this whole situation and you've got these tensions between um, the, uh, the the white fighter Lobov there who from Russia and Habib that happened at the hotel before this long before this there was that incident where Habib slapped him a couple times and I believe there were some death threats I mean I don't speak Russian or anything but 
I don't think that video has ever been fully translated as far as what the, was being said. And there was a big group there, and even Connor said something about people in groups. You know, you shouldn't shouldn't be afraid of people in groups because they'll cower away when they're all by themselves. <clears throat> so I think it was more than just Khabib saying stuff. It was his whole camp. And that would explain why, you know, there's not just now the rivalry between these two fighters, but their whole entire camps are ready to brawl and go into a melee over this. I mean, this is the kind of tension that they've created, and it's it's an outside-the-cage soap opera that you'd think that maybe would sound great in WWE, but it's just so toxic for this situation because somebody could get killed. I mean, I believe there was death threats, and I think that one of these crazy bastards will carry them out. Um, and you think about all the violence in, the, in Ireland with the boxing matches that we've seen in the last year or so. People getting killed at boxing events and stuff. So yeah. it's not just, I'm not just saying that because Khabib is Muslim, you know. It's, uh, this, this could get serious. And it could go beyond this if they don't uh, nip it in the bud. And as far as what Tom would say, we have it in print. So let's just read that now. He says, uh, it was, to put it mildly, mildly, a hit to Connor's brand. He just couldn't keep Khabib off him and had no answer to the takedowns and the GNP ground and pound. Connor did rally in the third, won it on my card. So oh, I was wrong. I guess he did win one card. One, <laughs> one round on one card on Tom's. Uh, but his punches just didn't have the devastating effect like they did against Alvarez and Aldo. I see no reason whatsoever for a rematch. If it would have been a close controversial decision, then yes, let's do it again. But I don't know what would be different the second time around. Now, the question is this. Can Connor's ego handle being a perpetual gatekeeper? Because I can't see him beating Khabib in a rematch. And you wouldn't have to... You wouldn't have loved... Wouldn't you have loved to be a fly on the wall in Dana's office? It would be challenging to market Khabib to anywhere near Connor's drawing power. But, you know, if um, if nobody over here celebrated Khabib's victory, uh, apparently there was uh, quite the, the hurrah over in Dagestan where he's from. I did see that in the news. So, I don't know. I guess congratulations are in order in some respects, but, you know, no matter how pissed off you are, you've got to just take the high ground in that situation and... and you know, there's just so many things we've gone so much better for him if he had just held his temper. <laughs> you look at it like this, Rich. Um, you know, what is the best validation when someone's trash-talking you? Kicking their ass, right? Yeah, kicking their ass and then just walking yeah, away and, and then being cool about it. You look at it like this, all right? So, what is everybody talking about right now? They're talking about the post-fight brawl. That's all anybody's talking about. If that rule didn't happen, what would everybody be talking about? How Khabib kicked the living shit out of Conor McGregor. <laughs> he actually took away from his own victory. Right. He took himself. It's like now you take one like this. Like okay, perfect example. Um, and completely different. But go back to Mike Tyson available when Tyson bit his ear. Tyson was in the process of losing that fight, and it was likely going to end up just like the fight did. Uh, sorry, he was likely, you know, going to take another KO loss. I mean, he was already on his heels. He was looking bad. He was taking punches. He'd already been wobbled. You know, 
So instead of taking a knockout loss again, he gets the most publicity in the world by biting a chunk of his opponent's ear off. <laughs> but just say, for example, Holyfield was butting Tyson and he was doing whatever. Tyson was really getting frustrated. Tyson lands a sledgehammer of a left hook and knocks Holyfield out. Okay? He regains the title and then they, like, they go to embrace the, the post-fight thing and he then he bites Holyfield's ear off. Same thing's going to happen where, you know, they're going to suspend him, they're going to find him, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. But everybody, instead of talking about this great Mike Tyson comeback victory, they're going to talk about how he bit the guy's ear off. <laughs> Same thing with the here. You know, instead of people talking about his great dominating victory, they're talking about this melee. Which, so he in this discredited himself. He took the focus away from his own, you know, career-defining win. Nobody's going to talk. No. Nobody's going to remember that anymore. You know, you just down the road, they're going to remember, oh my God, I was only remembering this year. I remember the time he jumped out of the cage and attacked his opponent's corner. Mm. Right. Well, it's, it's stupid, you know? I, you know, certain things like how you can talk about, like, history, how certain things dominated a certain fight. Um, Jack Effie, the long count. Nobody remembers how shitty he looked for nine and a half rounds. Hmm. He looked old, lethargic, he looked at that. Everybody talks about that 30-second window of that fight where he was actually in control and he knocked Tony down and there was a long count. That Dom, that actually takes away from Tony's victory. You know? Um, but then on the other sense, you, now look at this. I'm going to give another example. 1938, Joe Lowe. One of the greatest heavyweight champions of all time. He is fighting Max Schmeling. It was a rematch. Schmeling won the first fight by knockout. You know? And now it's, you know, the U.S. versus the, you know, the pride of Nazi Germany. Great storyline going in. Joe Lewis went on there as a man with a mission. And he went out there. He did the job. He annihilated Schmeling. And then, you know, he has redeemed himself, you know? But imagine if he just knocked Schmeling out and went over and sucker punched the cornerman. <laughs> because that also with Schmeling. Nobody would talk about Lewis's victory. They would talk about how he disgraced America. Right. Wow. So, we're going to see what happens here. I don't know if it's going to be a very quick rematch, depending on how their suspensions last. But they will be suspended. And um, probably talk about next week down um, more of this aftermath. But the fight actually ended by neck crank in the fourth round, three minutes and three seconds in. And then the co main event I also missed that was a TKO corner stoppage. Um, Anthony Pettis' corner stopped the fight at the end of the second round. So Tony Ferguson obviously uh, punished him pretty bad there for the corner to have to step in and, and call it a day. But that's actually impressive to me because Duke Rufus is, uh, you know, Pettis is uh, head corner guy there. He's his trainer. And, I know, and uh, right before he had his ride, he kickboxing event. And uh, I don't know if he was actually himself in that corner, but that was one of his events. And he got a lot of, ish you know, got a lot of issues and 
you know, bad negative feedback from all that, and uh, I think it really taught him to kind of uh, keep a better eye on some of his fighters, so it's good to see that they actually did tell Anthony, hey, you know, that's enough. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do that. But anyway, um, Dominic Reyes also got a big win over Ovin St. Preux by unanimous decision. Derek DeBeast Lewis uh, kept right on rolling with uh, just a just an amazing comeback win there over Alexander Volkov. He looked like he was, you know, having a hard time in there and then just unleashed a couple of haymakers and four minutes and 49 seconds into the third round. It was over. One by knockout. And uh, it's so funny how this guy always looks exhausted whether he wins or loses. After the fight, he's always exhausted. So, like, you know, it's a big, big task for him to get in there and do his thing. And yet, there's one of the famous this video of him making fun of Kimbo Slice for being exhausted after a fight. <laughs> anyway, uh, Michelle Waterson, the karate hottie, got a big unanimous uh, decision win over Felice Herrig. Uh, just uh, really dominated in a lot of the exchanges and kept her distance while she was doing a lot of good striking and wrestling. So good on her there. I also, Juicy Ada Silva beat Sergio Pettis. So was a bad night for the Pettis family. <laughs> the brothers uh, both lose in this decision for uh, Sergio. Uh, Vincent Luque uh, also won over Julian or Jalen Turner. It was a first round knockout, three minutes and 52 seconds in. Aspen Ladd knocked out Tanya Evinger, three minutes and 26 seconds into the first round. Uh, Scott Holtzman beat Alan Patrick Silva Alves by elbows from knockout. Our knockout from elbows. Three minutes and 42 seconds into the third. And then we had another Russian, Yana Kunitskaya, beating Lena Landsberg by unanimous decision. Second fight of the night, Nick Lentz beat Gray Maynard by TKO, a head kick and punches. Uh, got that started. That was one minute and 19 seconds into the second. And we had Tony Martin beating Ryan LaFleur by knockout, head kick and punches. That was one minute into the third. First fight of the night. We have Bellator 207 going on right now. It's uh, Paramount Network. Uh, Matt Mitrione versus Ryan Bader in the main event. It's uh, part of their little uh, heavyweight tournament they're doing. We also have uh, a couple other heavyweights in the co-main event. Roy Big Country Nelson and uh, Sergei Karatonov. So I uh, look forward to that one. I believe uh, coming up next is uh, Kimbo Slice's Kid. Baby Slice, they call him. Nice. Uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr. He's fighting a guy named Corey Browning, who does not even have a shirt dog prick picture, but uh, he looks kind of like a little bit of like a taller, scrawnier fighter than uh, Ferguson. So, I don't know. We'll see. See how this goes. I don't think Ferguson's going to have trouble with him, though. Uh, also on the card, Carrington Banks versus Mandel Nello. Lorenz Larkin versus Ian Pascue. Uh, we've had a couple of decisions already. We've had some TKOs. And, let's see. Uh, Mike Kimball knocked out Alex Potts six seconds into the fight. <laughs> the first round. Wow. This must have been a good one. I'm sure they'll probably show that eventually. <clears throat> uh, and then tomorrow night, actually October 13th, is that? That, two, that next week? October 13th? Yeah. It's tomorrow. Oh, that is tomorrow. Okay. 
so it's Saturday the 13th, is uh, over in Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum in uh, Uniondale, New York. We have the main event uh, for Bellator. Fedor, speaking of Russians, we Russian, Emelianenko. He is uh, 37 wins, uh, going with five losses, going against Jail Sonnen, who has got 30 wins, 15 losses, and one draw. And this is, uh, these, these two fights decide who fights each other here in the main events, the, the, the final round. So it could be uh, one of those two, two guys that go tonight against either Fedor or Chael. So, um, you know, we don't have Tom, unfortunately, on tonight, but uh, I believe he would pick Chael. I really do. Um, I think Fedor is the more unpredictable, crazier fighter, so anything can happen. I think uh, if he does keep his range and doesn't let Chael wrestle with him too much, I think he could definitely knock him out. Chael definitely doesn't really have much of a tested chin. He hasn't fought anybody really aggressive enough to test his chin in the last few years. So this is a tough one to predict, but I definitely think I definitely think Chael wants it more. I think Fedor has kind of been dragged out of retirement, so and he's he's kind of had some ups and downs. I mean, him and Mitrione pretty much knocking each other out in their that one fight uh, before all this tournament stuff started. Uh, just keeps coming to mind, and Fedor has never impressed me much. I mean, people, a lot of people loved him in his prime, but I always thought he just never fought anybody who tested him. That's why he did so well. So I really think I really think Chael Sonnen will probably win by unanimous decision, uh, if not some kind of a submission that he'll get on eventually because Fedor will get tired. But I just don't think Fedor is in the the shape that he needs to be for this kind of <laughs> but in the same breath, I'm going to say that uh, he does have a puncher's chance of getting the knockout. If he does, it will be very early in the fight, probably in the first minute and a half. If it doesn't happen, then it's going to be a chance fight. That's fine. That's my outlook. So I'm going to have an out clause in my prediction. <laughs> anyway, uh, Benson Henderson, also on the card, uh, ex UFC fighter again, uh, along with Chael. He is uh, 25 and 8, fighting Sayad Awad, who is 23 and 9. And then we got Czech Congo, one of the most uh, built up, great shape fighters with the least entertaining style I've ever seen. Let's hope he brings some action to this fight, though. He's uh, 28 and 10 with two draws. And then Timothy Johnson is his opponent, who's 12 and 4. Then we got Alexander Shlomenko, whose record sounds like an old school boxer. So he's 15. 56 and 11, fighting Anatoly Tokov, who is 26 and 2. Uh, and I believe we've interviewed this guy before, Henry Corrales, 15 and 3, fighting Andy Main, who's 12 and 3, with one draw. I think we interviewed Henry when he was undefeated uh, a few years ago. Remember the name? <clears throat> yeah. And then he had some brutal fights to welcome him into Bowser. <laughs> So it wasn't the most opportune time to get him on, but he was uh, a good interview, from what I remember. Uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about some boxing here. Uh, Anthony Mundine is going to be fighting Jeff Horn, and he's saying it's going to be his last fight. Wow. Uh, officially. But 
going to be a closeout of his eight boxing career for Mundine. The November 30th fight, um, the ex-world champion Jeff Orn uh, is going to fight him at Suncorp Stadium. And uh, he's basically seems concerned about his legacy and uh, thinks he's misunderstood by the public due to his the man persona. He says, uh, some media misquote me, try to make me the villain, and people say I'm cocky, but I have believed in my ability from day one. He's uh, he's just 43 years young. i got a couple years to go to catch up. <laughs> but he says, uh, if the media want me to be the villain, I can be the villain. Uh, his record is 48-8, and, eight, and uh, no draw, so that should tell you something. Uh, but uh, he would say he'd bow out with uh, ending 30-year-old Horn's career in the uh, catchweight fight at 71 kilograms, whatever that is in pounds, I don't know. Uh, set to draw 30,000 fans, I believe. Uh, Horn is just 18-1-1, and, and he's looking at the fight as a stepping stone toward a rematch against the man who took away his WBO title, Terrence Crawford, in June. And By the way, Terrence Crawford is fighting this week. Did you see the lightning when Crawford took a swing at him? I did not. I did not see that. Yeah, I saw the clip tonight. Uh, so, um, Mundine also said that about Horn, he's good, works hard, and credit to him, but a lot of it is just hype. I want to expose that hype. This is my opportunity to prove I was the best of the last generation, and I am the best of the next generation. He may bounce back from a loss, but he will need a plan. Better scrub up on the teaching skills. Uh, he says, uh, he beat Pacquiao, so I take my hat off to him, but Crawford schooled him. I can guarantee you on November 30th, the Crawford nightmare will continue. Anyway. Uh, and uh, he adds that this fight is for me to go out on a high. I could could go on, but my desire to put in the hard work isn't there anymore. That seems to always be the excuse. Uh, not the excuse, but the... the the revelation that these guys come to uh, when they decide to quit. It, it, it's not, it has nothing to do with their ability to fight anymore. It's just their willingness to put in the work. They just get to the point of, I don't want to do the work anymore. Yeah, don't want to do it. Don't feel like it anymore. And, uh, you know, for, for the lucky ones, it happens before they've done any permanent damage to themselves. Themselves, but I don't know. Uh, a lot of them just get to that point because it's just it's the decision of you know is it worth taking more punches to the head and working to do it? You know, probably not. But anyway, we'll see what happens here. Uh, Mundine versus Horn, November thirtieth, um, and then also in the boxing world, Billy Joe Saunders failed the doping test back in August, and now he's been denied a license by the Massachusetts State Athletic Commission to face uh, American Demetrius Andre in Boston this month. Uh, so, uh, this is kind of an interesting situation because he's blamed uh, a decongestant nasal for this test oxalofrine. Uh, uh, I don't know I'm pronouncing that right, but the VADA uh, banned this stimulant, and uh, it's obviously prohibited. Uh, but it's actually, it says that it's banned by the VADA, 
while it is prohibited only during competition by the World Anti-Doping Agency and UK Anti-Doping. So I guess they're saying if the fight had taken place in the UK, it would have been licensed. Anyway, British media reports said that the 29-year-old Saunders could be stripped of the belt he won in 2015 if he fails to get a license for his scheduled title defense on October 20th. He's uh, obviously said that he's done nothing wrong and um, it's just a decongestant. Can't get popped with anything nowadays. Don't want to be take Sudafed. It's got that ephedrine stuff in it. Anyway. Uh, Nate Diaz, no surprise. He's uh, officially off. No, definitely off. I wish I had a recording of Rain Man saying definitely for this one. Right. Definitely. It is. This is no surprise to anybody, but uh, this, this is kind of a surprise that uh, it's actually because of his opponent, uh, Poirier, had to withdraw because of an injury. An undisclosed injury, per multiple sources, he's going to be off this uh, UFC 230 coming event against Nate Diaz in New York. Uh, actually, Diaz was going to go through with it, surprisingly enough, but uh, Poirier backed out. So, um... Now that Diaz is not fighting in November, um, Conor McGregor might be free if he's not suspended too long. <coughs> so maybe we'll see that third fight. Uh, would McGregor do it? That's probably questionable. We'd probably want to go immediately to a rematch with uh, Nurmagomedov Medov because of the, the animosity and all that. Want to finish it, <coughs> but we'll see. I like the idea of the Diaz as a substitute if uh, the suspension is not too long. Um, I'm not exactly sure why they're suspending Connor. I do, did read a report that said something about him unprovoked punching one of one of uh, the Khabib's people later on off camera. But I'm, I'm not sure. Not sure if that's what they're looking at or why they, if that, that's why it is. Anyway. Here's a good one, Tony. You're going to like this one, right? Because you like baseball, right? Yeah. Now, have you heard about these guys from Detroit? These guys that are analysts for the Detroit Tigers working for Fox Sports Detroit? No, I haven't. No, you haven't. <laughs> So, uh, they not, they're not coming back. This, this announcing team will not be back next year for Fox Sports, okay? Because uh, I think there's probably going to be some lawsuits between these two. Um, <laughs> they did have a, a productive on-air relationship, despite not seeing eye-to-eye for a long time. Um, but everything came to a, you know, a real head on September 4th, and these guys actually had a fist fight in the booth during the game. Wow. <laughs> this is a true story. Fact is stranger than fiction. Okay, so during the game, these two already had some simmering tensions, you know. And during the game, they had a 43-second blackout because um, well, one of the one of the guys, um, I don't have their full names in front of them, but uh, Mpemba, one of these analysts, uh, reported to have been annoyed uh, by what he thought was Alan's fix 
conversation on his phone rather than the game itself. And then he suddenly decided to boycott speaking into the microphone in retaliation. Uh, and then before the game, there was an issue over the chairs because one of the guys had a bad back and the other guy took the most comfortable chair. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the guys looks at the other uh, and he's, you know, he's pissed off when he comes in and uh, he turns his chair over that he's given and, he, and he's looking at the other guy in the most comfortable chair and the other guy says, are you mad that I took this chair? <laughs> So anyway, uh, the fight was apparently bad enough that uh, the two had to be booked on separate flights back to Detroit following the September 4th game in Chicago. The Free Press also added that the three NBC Sports Chicago freelancers had to break up the fight, which didn't last very long after Allen placed his hands on the sides of Pemba's neck. <laughs> so, these guys had worked more than 2,000 Tigers games together. Wow. But... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, uh, a chair ticked one guy off bad enough. And the phone, you know, using his phone again. It's a chair and the phone. And I don't know if it was racial, but one guy's white and the other guy's black, so. Uh, it's a crazy story, crazy story. Crazy but true. Anyway, uh, boxing. We got some boxing coming up, and we we got some boxing to talk about. Uh, from last week, a couple results worth mentioning. Uh, let's see, Carol Relic beating Edward Trojanovsky last Sunday. Also Sunday, Ken Shiro beating Milan Melindo. Sorry, I don't have the weights so the methods here. I'm just looking at BoxRec's main page. Also, uh, Naya anyway beating Juan Carlos Payano on Sunday. Then Saturday's fights, Jack Catterall beating O'Hara Davies, Daniel Roman beating Gavin McDonald, Wisaxo Wangek beating Aaron Diaz, and this one is pretty surprising, Jesse Vargas and Thomas DeLorme fighting to a draw. Well, I heard that. I mean, some people Yeah, I, I, from all accounts, I guess it was pretty pretty uh, much a slugfest and a toe-to-toe war for a lot of it. But, uh, you know, sometimes that's tough to judge who gets the better shots in when it happens. Uh, Artur Baturbiev beat up on Callum Johnson as well on Saturday. And I believe that one was a knockout. What was that, Tony? He's one of Iceman and Scully's boys, ain't he? Baturbiev or Johnson? Baturbiev. Maybe, I don't know. I think he is. Callum Johnson, 17 and 1 now. That was his first loss. His O had to go, and it was a knockout. So, let's see. Uh, then we also had uh, Jessica Miscaskill beating Erica Annabella Farias last Saturday. Louis, Louis Neary beating Jason Canoy. Thomas Rojas beat Johnny Gonzalez. Jonathan Aquendo beat Jose Lopez. Nicola Adams beat Isabel Milan. And uh, Thomas Adamick did not do so well. Uh, big baby Jerome Miller destroyed him over the weekend. And uh, pretty much, pretty much uh, wiped the floor with him. 
<clears throat> referee has to step in and call it off. But uh, yeah, Adam Mick looked pretty pathetic. Yeah, it was bad. Bad look for Thomas. Uh, I don't know if he just needed the money or he thought he really could do it, but uh, maybe that cements his retirement permanently. Uh, and then another fight we're talking about, Sam Bowen beating Horatio Alfredo Cabral. And let's go to Saturday the 13th, tomorrow night. Uh, we've got a female fight in Argentina. That's a pretty big deal here. Uh, Jessica Yolanda Bob at Lake Flyway. She is 34-1. and one. And uh, Sandra Robles is her opponent, who is 21-2. And, and this is for the WBA World Female Light Flyweight title. And uh, I wonder if um, the Peterson brother, who yells bop all the time, is trying to call her out to her. <laughs> bop every punch. Do you know that guy? No. Yeah, one of the... Uh, oh, wait, wait. Yeah, I do. I know. Because he throws every punch. Yeah, yeah. I heard. Yeah, I forget, I forget, um, Anthony Lamont. Bop! <laughs> Talking to Jessica. Anyway, uh, we got some fights worth mentioning down, uh, down under in, uh, South Wales, Australia. Mismatch of the week all the way here. We've got Joshua English in the main event, Bantamweight. He's just 1-0. and Fighting Bruno Vifua Vivuli. He is 21-2-1. That is a hard name to pronounce. V i f u a v i w i l i. Definitely butchering it, but uh, my best pronunciation is Vifua Vuli. <laughs> anyway, also down in Australia, in Queensland on Saturday, Liam Paro in the main event. He is undefeated, 14-0, fighting Robert Talatic, who is 22-1. And up in uh, Quebec, we got a couple fights. One for a title, IBF, North American Super Lightweight title. Mathieu, Mathieu Germain, who is 15-0 at Super Lightweight, fighting Carlos Jimenez, 14-8-1. Then we got co-main event, Eric Bazinian, who is undefeated 20-0, fighting Francie Natetu, who is 17-2. That one's for the vacant WBA. NABA Super Middleweight title and the WBO NABO Super Middleweight title. Uh, Gislin Maduma, 19 and 3 at welterweight, fighting Diego Gonzalo Luque, who is 21, 6 and 1. Maduma, 19 and 3. And that's really. Oh, Jesus Laguna. I guess this could be our Jesus fight of the week. Jesus Laguna. He, he is 22, 12 and 3, fighting. Ablaikan Kusenov at lightweight, who is eight and zero. So Jesus might need a miracle to avoid his thirteenth loss on Saturday the thirteenth. <laughs> uh, main event in Hessen, Germany. We got Mario Jasmine, fifteen and zero at middleweight, fighting Pata Vardulashvili, who is thirty-four, sixteen and two for the German international middleweight title. It's a guy whose record is 11 wins and 50 losses on the card as well. Another guy who's 8 and 29. 
That's how they do it in overseas there, I guess. There's one in uh, Mexico, Eduardo Hernandez, undefeated, 26-0. Fighting Luis Diaz-Pesana, 23-3-1 for the WBC Youth World Super Featherweight title. You gotta love it when somebody's fighting for the World Youth title, and they should be fighting for the World title. <laughs> 26-0, that's a pretty good record. Well, I don't know what he would he start fighting when he was an embryo. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, co-made event, the only other fight on the card, Lord Juarez, 24-2, fighting Gabriela Sanchez-Savidra, who is 3-1. 24-2 and versus 3-1. We got a former guest fight this weekend over in Russia. We do. Yeah. Which one? Joey Duwego out of Philadelphia, a friend of mine. Uh -huh. Um, yeah, he, over there a couple days ago. He had the way in today. In Russia? Ekaterinburg, Russia? Uh, I'm not sure where Russia. Funny oh, yeah. Here he is. Yeah. Ekaterinburg, Russia. If you have Russia Match TV, you can watch him. <laughs> Here's the card. Uh, Zolani Tete. He is 27-3 at Bantamweight. He's the main event against Mikhail Aloyan, who is 4-0. Obviously, looking for his first loss here. <laughs> He's fighting for the WBO World Bantamweight title there. And then the co-main event is Cruiserweights. Uh, undefeated. Somebody's always got to go. This is the fight of the week here. Andrew Tabidi, 16-0, fighting Ruslan Pfeiffer, who is 23-0. I've seen Tabidi probably a, time, a couple times. He's a good fighter. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. That is a good stuff. Lots of good stuff. Good on I believe this is going to be... Uh, Showbox or Showtime. I think they're going to televise this one. I don't know about the main event. But, uh, Vladimir Shishkin also on the card. He's 7-0 fighting Najib Mohamedi who has got 40 wins and 6 losses. This is for the WBA Continental Super Middleweight title. And then we've got uh, Yuri Kaczynski. He's 16-0 fighting Juan Ezequiel Boswaldo who's 11-1-1. That is that cruiserweight as well. Uh, Andre Fedosov at heavyweight, 30 and 3, fighting Joey Dueco, who's 19, 5 and 4. So obviously, uh, Joey is going in there um, needing a knockout to win, right? <laughs> yeah, no matter well, what. Uh, Joey posted that he um, had uh, you know, arrived there. He said, hey, you know, arrived safe. And, um, you know, it's you know, not like the scene from Rocky Four. It's been really nice and all that. No one was going to say that we're helping people like help um, the horses that have gotten stuck in the snow and stuff. <laughs> you know, you're not throwing big rocks out the window. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's such there's uh, so much diverse country in Russia. You know, it might be actually a warm climate. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> and I don't know what their seasons are like either. But anyway. Uh, uh, he's fighting a Russian in Russian territory, so it's going to be a tough one to come out with a win unless he gets knocked out. Uh, we've got another uh, somebody's always got to go fight, too, in the middle of this one. Uh, Magomed Kurbanov versus Juan Rodriguez, both 15 and 0 at Super World Weight. And then, uh, 
gonna be, be definitely wishing Joey good luck on that one, but sometimes it just takes a well-placed punch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a puncher like him, absolutely. Yep. One shot, one kill. <laughs> Alright, over in the UK, the big fight is Glenn Foote. He is 23-3 at Super Lightweight fighting Robbie Davies Jr., who is 16-1. and Sons for the vacant BBB of C, British Super Lightweight title, and the Commonwealth British Empire Super Lightweight title. Uh, and then also lightweights, Louis Ritson, undefeated at 17-0, fighting Francesco Patera, who's 19-3, for the vacant EBU lightweight title. Uh, light heavyweight Joshua Boazzi, who is 7-0, fighting Tony Everland, who is 26-10-2 for the WBA International light heavyweight title. Yeah, that's pretty much it for the good stuff on that card. So we've got uh, Thomas Patrick Ward, undefeated at 24-0, fighting Tom Tran, who's 6-1. Right in the middle of everything. Seems kind of like a mismatch. Who knows? Over in Salinas, California, the main event is Ruben Villa, 13-0, versus Miguel Carrizoza, who is 10-3. No title on the line there, but it's a big one. Chauncey Welliver fighting in the main event at heavyweight in Worley, Idaho this weekend. The matchmaker Sarah Welliver. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's fighting Eric Hempstead, who's seven and zero. Chauncey is fifty-six, twelve and five. And then the ever-dangerous TBA is in action in Indiana against Derek Findlay, who's 28-24-1, the main event. Yikes. Some of these fight cards are crazy. Uh, and, of course, we can't neglect to talk about the, probably the biggest fight of the week. Terrence Crawford versus Jose Benavidez Jr. Uh, it's going to be an ESPN fight here tomorrow night. Uh, Top-ranked Bob Barham. And uh, Crawford, of course, undefeated, 33-0. A lot of people believe he is the world's pound-for-pound best fighter right now. Jose Benavidez Jr. is 27-0. Uh, I don't really know much about him. I, I might have seen him fight. I really haven't been following boxing enough to keep track of some of these guys. But this is just for one title, the WBO World Welterweight title. And, and Crawford really should have more of them by now. But he just, uh, just hasn't put the fights together yet. Yeah. Anyway, Shakur Stevenson in the co-main event at featherweight. He is 8-0 fighting Vioral Simeon, who's 21-2. That's for the vacant WBC Continental America's featherweight title. And then we got super welterweights. Carlos Adams, 14-0, fighting Josh, Joshua Conley, who's 14-2-1. And, and uh, another one worth mentioning, Mike Alvarado at welterweight. He's 39-4, fighting Rob. Cannon, who's 16, 13, and 3. So, what do you think about this one, Tony? you know about this Benavidez Jr. guy? Benavidez, I mean, he's tough, he's talented, I mean, got a decent punch, but here's the problem. He is fighting, I mean, he's got, he's got a puncher's chance, you know, absolutely. But here's the issue. He is fighting one of the best fighters, if not the 
number one boxer in the world today in Terrence Crawford. And I think what you're going to get is a, a good fight. I know there's been a little bit of pre-fight trash talk. At the end, um, you know, Benavidez shot him and Crawford even took a swing at him. So there's definitely bad blood going into this. Um, I just see in this fight um, Crawford being a better fighter, and I think it'll go the distance. I think it'll be a decision, but Crawford's going to win nine of nine or ten of twelve rounds. Well, he's punched it into his computer, folks, and we have the results. Crawford by landslide. <laughs> All right. So, uh, have I missed anything? I don't do think we, so. Do we neglect to mention anything? I guess well, not. Do we miss any wrestling news? I want to say that we missed something in wrestling that happened this week. Well, aside from Sean Michaels making his comeback in three years. Let's see. Oh, what's this? Breaking. Chris Jericho, Caribbean Crew. Oh, that's not a All right, well, I guess until next week, that's all she wrote for us. Um, let's check on Sherdog real quick, see what's coming up next in the UFC. I know about it's Bellator weekend. Obviously, let's see, UFC Fight Night 138. It's not happening until October 27th, so we have a little break from UFC for a while. Next week, I guess that's all she wrote, and we'll be talking about the Bellator winners there and the heavyweight Grand Prix tournament and uh, whatever happens with these uh, big boxing matches. And Terrence Crawford can pull it off, of course. Won't be much to talk about, won't be much controversy. But if Jose Benavides can stay undefeated, uh, we'll, be, we'll be saying he's maybe the best. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, thanks for uh, doing it solo tonight with, with me there, Tony. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm the one who caused the postponement, you know. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was worth it. Maybe. I wouldn't have won my 25 bucks if it wasn't for not having the show. <laughs> what? I was I was at 400 bucks for five seconds. I was in fifth <laughs> place. I was, oh, man, I was like, wow, this could be good for me. And then, psh- Poor Eli. Couldn't even get a single yeah. touchdown pass. Yeah, Eli got um, pummeled. Horrible. Some of the memes were funny to look at, though. <laughs> oh, I love the like, uh, he shows him, like, on the sideline, making stupid faces, like, Mommy and Eagles are beating up me again, or beating up on me again. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Not even Odell Beckham could save him. Oh, yeah, he's terrible. I'm not a big fan of him, but it is. And I wasn't even I wasn't even tempted to pick him for my FanDuel team. So I was really I was really proud of myself for not falling for that high high priced bait. <laughs> anyway, all right, we'll uh, catch up with you next week and uh, go Eagles for now until they face the Patriots. Yeah.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.